0: I have a favorite psalm, I'm not sure I've mentioned this, at least one of my favorites. It's Psalm 40. It has an unfortunate beginning, at least if you ask me. It starts like this, I waited. I'm just going to see how long I can make you wait in discomfort. I waited. I don't really like waiting. It's not my A-game, it's not my strong suit. I don't really have that club in my bag, if you know what I mean. When I, when I rehearsed the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, I skip patience, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I waited. I fell in love with the psalm when I was seven years old. It was 1983, not because of the way it began, but because of the one who put it to music, Bono, lead singer for U2 it was the 10th song on the album called War Uh, Bono uh, just released a book as well titled Surrender in the book if you buy it on Audible you can listen to U2 singing all of these glorious songs interestingly 40 the name of the song is not included in the book probably because it starts I waited let's just listen to it for fun for a second. Imagine me, a seven year old, with my cassette tape and my Sony Walkman, the yellow kind, listening to Bono. If you're courageous, you can sing even while you're sitting in your chair. patiently for the Lord, He inclined and heard my, my cry. Lift me up out of the pits, out of the mind. See share my musical tastes, but I bet you get that question. How long? 17,000 dead, and the number rising in Syria and Turkey after the earth quakes and the world watches in horror. How long? I'm not going to list all the reasons your heart might sing. How long? The psalmist prays the cry of our heart. How long? We've been walking through the Gospel of Matthew. Up until this point, you, you can catch Jesus teaching, the Sermon on the Mount we heard three weeks in a row, or healing, wouldn't that be wonderful if he would do that again? And speaking in parables, Jesus stories, these are three Jesus stories that are meant to open our hearts, stir our curiosity, awaken our imaginations to the kingdom, to what could be, what will be, what's breaking in three Jesus stories. This is from Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 24. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be like someone who sowed seed in his field, but When everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weed with the wheat, and then went away. And when the plants grew up and bore grain, there appeared weeds as well. The, the, The slaves of the householder came and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in the field? Where then did the weeds come from? And the master replied, The enemy has come. And they they asked him, "Should, should should we go and gather them? And the master said, no. For if you pull them, you will uproot them with the weeds. Let them grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest, I'll tell the reapers to collect the weeds and bind them and bundle them and burn them and gather the wheat into my barn. He told them, he put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone planted in his field. The mustard seed is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it grows, it becomes the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, and the birds of the air build their nests and its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven Is like yeast that a woman mixed with three measures of flour until it leavened. Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables. Without a parable, he told them nothing. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet I will open my mouth to speak in parables, I will proclaim what was hidden from the foundations of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 35. Jesus telling stories. Jesus speaking parables. Parables are meant to open our hearts, stir our curiosities, invite our imaginations into what could be, what will be, And each of these stories, though the word isn't used, imply we're going to have to wait. You could, you could read past them and skip over it, but I'm sorry to tell you, you're, you're going you're to have to wait. Uh, the, the wheat and the weeds, the mustard seed and the tree, the yeast and the flour, all acknowledging we're gonna to have to wait. I looked up the word "wait" in the Bible. It shows up so many times. I stopped counting. I get the strong impression the Bible thinks you're gonna to have to wait. Uh, the 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 story of the the wheat and the weeds. Somebody sows the wheat in his field. The enemy comes, sows the the weeds. They grow up together. The, the slaves come, say, Master, Master, shall we, shall we gather them both? And the master says, No, you're, we're, we're going to have to wait. The second parable, uh, the mustard seed, the tiniest of all the seeds someone sows in his field. And when it's grown, now when it's grown, it, it, it's not grown yet, it becomes a tree and the birds build their nest, but we're going to have to wait. A third parable, parable of the yeast and the three measures of flour for the record. That's 60 pounds or so of flour. That's a lot of flour. That's a lot of bread. That's, that's enough for the whole community to feast, but we're gonna have to we're gonna have to wait. These these three parables, though the word isn't used, they all acknowledge what we know to be true. We're gonna have to wait. Now, sometimes I wonder, what would it be like? What would life be like if, if we didn't have to wait? I mean, that's kind of what we're trying to do, really, in life. More efficient, quicker, faster. It'd be so much better. Like, if you're, if you're waiting for your friends to show up, you don't really have to wonder when they'll get there. You just find them on your phone and see where they are. You don't have to wait. If you're at the grocery store and you want to check out, but the line's too long, you don't have to wait. You can self-check out. You don't have to wait. we trying to eliminate waiting as much as we can, but the Bible seems to think you're going to you're gonna have to wait. A world without waiting, I mean, I, I guess it might be more efficient, but you, there probably would, I mean, we'd run on short supply of gratitude. There'd be nothing to be grateful for. You could just have it now, and, 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 and entitlement and expectation would become the status quo because we can get it now patience wouldn't be a virtue it would actually be a vice it'd be like being you're just lazy you can have it now what would it be like to live in a world where you didn't have to wait i was talking to a college student this week he's asking the big questions about life and god and faith he kept referring to the god of the universe and wondered about all the suffering in the world. That's, that's important. That's a good question. I, and I kind of sort of had to respond as we were taking our walk around town. I, I think the answer to that question, we're just going to have to, we're going to have to wait. I'm not sure he wants to get together with me again. I was with a friend this week. Her son is sick. And, and she's wondering, she's wondering if this illness will lead to death or is it possible there could be the healing miracle, and she knows as well as I do, she's going to have to wait. Sometimes I wonder, what's God waiting for? Why doesn't God, the Bible ends? Come, Lord Jesus, why not now? Why not here? Why not today? Come, Lord Jesus, why? What are you waiting for? You can come, fix it now. Life is filled with waiting, and in the waiting, the reality of pain and hurt and heartache and suffering—it's all real. It's all here. We all know it. Fires in California so often while floods wreak havoc in other parts of the world. Earthquakes that wreak havoc on so many lives as the world watches in horror and mass shootings dotting the landscape of our country, which shouldn't keep us from noticing all the other shootings that are taking place too. And our elected officials acting like adolescents in a tantrum. And we applaud if we think we agree, but actually we really don't think much at all. We just like the color they're wearing. How long? These three parables, the weed and the wheat, the mustard seed and the tree, the yeast and the flower, they acknowledge for us what we know to be true, we're waiting. And they point to the day when finally all the waiting is over. Finally, one day, it's all made right and it's all made new. One day, all the grain will be gathered into the barn. One day, the birds of the air will nest in the tree. One day, the loaf will rise and the community will feast. One day. People from every language and tribe and nation will all gather around the throne. One day, every knee will bend and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. One day, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. One day, there'll be no need for sun or moon, for the glory of God will be our light. One day, the lion and the lamb will lie down together and there'll be peace on earth. One day, the parables point us to, I like the way N.T. Wright puts it in a book titled Matthew for Everyone. We wait with patience. Not like people in a dark room wondering if anyone will ever come with a lighted candle, but like people in early morning who know that the sun has risen and now are waiting for the full brightness of midday. One day it will be midday. I came across these words actually on Facebook from a friend of mine who was quoting an author from a book titled The Doors of the Sea. The world remains divided between two kingdoms, where light and darkness, life and death grow up together and await the harvest. In such a world, our portion is charity and our sustenance is faith, and so it will be until the end of days. Our waiting is not endless enduring. Our waiting is filled with hope. We hope not for... What we see, but for what we do not see, so we wait for it with patience, the Apostle Paul says. We rejoice in our suffering because suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not disappoint, so we wait. Not endless, enduring, but living hope. Uh, my friend, Wynn Collier, he's the executive director of the Eugene Peterson Center for Christian Imagination over at Western Theological Seminary. He's going to preach uh, in the Pillar community next weekend. I can't wait. Uh, he's generously invited Pillar to partner with, an annu- with them in an annual conference called Doxology in early October. Mark your calendars, October 1, 2, or 3, or something like that. You're going to want to be there. As a promotional video they put out, Win borrows from a 20th century French poet. Antoine de Saint-Exupéry once said, that, if you find the need to build a ship, don't go and drum up all the people to gather the wood and divide the labor and give out orders, but instead teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. God is the sea. God is what we yearn and long for. for the sea. We long for God, God to finally come and make it all right, make it all well, all new. Finally, your boy will be healed. Finally, your division will be reconciled. Finally, your mourning will turn to dancing. We long for the sea. We long for God. How long? I had a conversation with a a new friend of mine this week, I'm going to, let's just call her Kara. I have her permission to share her story, but we'll let her uh, share all of the details whenever she chooses. Uh, Kara grew up in the deep south, the marshlands of Mississippi. Uh, She grew up in an affluent family that was also extremely dysfunctional. Her dad was there, but was utterly absent emotionally. Her mom was, struggled, I'm not even sure all of the, details. So as a little girl, Kara kind of figured, I can't trust anybody, so I'm going to have to take care of it myself. Uh, When she was 12 years old, uh, she decided if there's a God, whatever that God, he, she, it might be, that God must not be worth much. So she declared herself an atheist. She was 12 years old. At the same time, because of the dysfunction of the family, there was drugs and alcohol over the house. She found her first pill. She popped her first drug at 12 years old, which launched her into a life of abuse and all other kinds of stuff she can choose to tell you sometime. She got into a junior college, a couple of years of that, made her way into a state school, she realized quickly that wasn't for her, so she came home, but that wasn't for her either. So she left the house. She got a job as a waitress somewhere. She, she got a job as a secretary, too, in, a, in, a, in the office of a law firm. The lawyer was a Christian. Now He became like a father to her. He treated her the way a father ought to treat a child, love, care, security, respect, She had met a therapist too, a therapist who found space for her story without shame and without judgment, and somehow, I'm not sure how this all happened, but she found herself in a church, this atheist young woman in a church. She grabbed a Bible. She told me, I think I stole it, and I can speak for all churches everywhere. You can steal our Bibles. She knew she she became a Christian. Um, in, a, in a wonderful act of God, she became a Christian, and she knew if, if she's going to be a first-generation Christian, tilling that soil is so hard, she needed to leave the realities of her dysfunctional family. So she left the South and the marshes of Mississippi, and she came to the frozen tundra of Michigan, where I met her. I was listening to her story. My jaw hit the coffee table a couple of times. At some point in the conversation, I asked her, Kara, what, what would your 28-year-old self Say to the young girl about to pop that pill for the first time. And she said in her beautiful southern draw, I wish I could replicate, uh, Don't be scared, baby. It's going to be all right. Don't be scared. It's going to be all right. I waited patiently. For the Lord, he inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pits, out of the miry clay. I will sing. I will sing a new song. The kingdom of heaven may be like someone who sows good seed in his field, and one day the grain is gathered into the barn. The kingdom of heaven is is like a a mustard seed. The smallest of all the seeds grows and becomes a tree, and the birds of the air nest in its branches. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast mixed with the flour that feeds the whole community. One day. So we wait. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. One day. One day we'll feast and God in his generous provision shows up here, shows up now, a pledge and foretaste of the feast of love of which we will partake one day when we're made like him, when we behold him. If you believe Jesus is Lord and acknowledge him as Savior, you're welcome at this table, the virtual table where you are. If you're not at that place in life or faith, this, you may be asking the good and hard questions that you need to ask. This isn't meant to be coercive or manipulative. You're welcome, rather, to think more on the things you've heard. Uh, Those who do partake, uh, come as you're ready.